You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. How's everybody doing today? Like we like to do around here, can we give our worship team a round of applause? Tell them thanks for leading us. I love our worship team. Well, uh, welcome. Welcome to church. If this is your first time here, let me just say welcome. We're glad you're here. You can be a guest this week, but next week you have to be family. You don't get a choice. So uh, just know what you're signing up for before you show up again. Uh, really, really glad you're here. Uh, you might just be here visiting for the holidays, and we're, we're glad you're here as well. I know there's some people here that used to call this church home, and now they're back for the holidays. So anyway, glad you guys are all here. Uh, my name's Braden. Um, if you don't know, I'm the senior leader here at New Life Church. My wife and I started this church a little over eight years ago and could not have imagined where, what, what happened, uh, honestly. And uh, about a year and a half ago, the Lord spoke to us about planting other churches, and so we moved to Lubbock, and uh, that's where we live. But we're st- still here, and, and, and I'm still teaching as much as, basically as much as I used to, and we're still very involved, and this is still, I don't live here, but this is still my home. So uh, I'm really, really excited to be back with you. Uh, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 11. I'm going to jump right in because in the first service, I made it through my introduction. And so uh, I am intent on getting through more than my introduction. I told the, the first service, I said, well, I'm going to teach the whole message in the second service, hopefully, and then we'll put it out on YouTube and MyGram and Instapage and all the things that we do. So... Um, Instapage, see what I did there? I took two and put them together. Yep, light spot. Turn to Mark chapter 11. We'll get there eventually. I want to take just a brief second and just talk a little bit about uh, just church history. And I'm not going to be so uh, arrogant to assume I know everything there is to know about church history or even especially globally. But I do want to talk a little bit about just American church history because one of the things that I've learned and, and more so in even the more recent years is that we all come from such different church cultures, and uh, especially even as it pertains to different camps that we grew up in. Uh, how many of you guys grew up in a denominational church of some sort? You, that was kind of your church background, some type of denomination. How about non-denominational? Any, that's interesting. Uh, there was the first group, too. It was about the same. It was, like, was a bunch of, of denominational backgrounds. And so uh, if, if, you, if you don't come from a non-denominational background, I want to just explain something very briefly because what I have learned is that over the over the years, well, let me say it a different way. Denominations, and this is not a statement good or bad against. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just kind of trying to, my best to define a couple things. Denominations in general have determined boundaries and values. So if you went to such this denomination, what you're, why you went to that denomination is they had very clear-cut boundaries. This is what Catholics believe. This is what Baptists believe. This is what Church of Christ. There were very, very clear boundaries, and you adhered, you're like, I like these. these are, and some of those, they had really good boundaries. Some of them, we should have some boundaries. And so, but every now and then, what I've learned about non-denominational churches is they're often born out of God speaking to someone, God releasing an aspect of his character, his nature, his wisdom, and there's not a place, there's not a denomination, if you will, or a place that seems to align, the boundaries don't seem to line up with what they see God saying 
or what they see God doing. And so what you have is a non-denominational, because they say, well, there's not a denomination, if you will, that fits what I feel like is happening. And so you have these, these, these offshoot or non-denominational churches. And oftentimes they're centered around or maybe even birthed out of a revelation on a particular thing. Uh, I, I was actually raised in one such movement um, called the Word of Faith, we call it the Word of Faith movement. How many of you guys have ever heard of Word of Faith? Anybody? Okay, so a lot of us, several of us in here, it's the Word of Faith. Um, and again, I'm not saying I'm for any, this is not a statement, I'm just helping you understand some things. I'm very honored to have been raised in this culture, this Word of Faith culture, because of the things I learned, the faith that I learned, it, it changed my life forever. It's still changing my life. In fact, I've got a few Word of Faith teachers that I still listen to every single week of my life, basically. So I, I still value so much. However, I also learned that even inside an individual movement, they can have their boundaries too. So all of a sudden, if you're Word of Faith, we don't do this and we don't do this and we don't invite this guy to our conferences, you pretty much, if you, you grew up where I did, did or the way I did, we listen to Word of Faith preachers. That's what we listen to. And I think as Leanne and I got older and started doing different things, we just realized that God's moving in so many different ways. And he, I think he really wants us to be aware of what he's doing everywhere, but also just making sure we're not getting stuck in just this one thing. There'll be seasons. I know for me personally, there was a season where the, the, the grace movement, uh, there was a lot of talk about that. Uh, still is a lot of talk about that. And, and some absolutely hate it. Some love it. And some swear it's, you know, grace. That's just giving people permission to sin. Well, for the record, I loved it. I don't feel like I have permission to sin. It changed my life. So that's where I'm at. Uh, what it did do for me, though, is brought a revelation to me about the finished work of the cross that for whatever reason, I didn't get somewhere else. So I wasn't, I wasn't looking for a reason not to follow the scriptures. I just heard about the goodness of God preached in such a way that for whatever reason, I didn't get it elsewhere. And oftentimes God does it through these different movements. He's trying to bring something to the forefront. You see scriptural precedent for this where sometimes I'm thankful for just your I don't mean this in an insulting way, but kind of like you're just standard local church that's pretty balanced. And, and so I, I have a value for that. I also have a value for people that God's given a message to preach and they preach it so white hot, so intense. It can be a little bit raw. It can be a little bit much at times. The, the goal is for everyone not to be that intense about it. The goal in the kingdom is to move, to move the needle just a couple of clicks overall. Does that make sense? Just, I don't need you to just go crazy, but I, I need this to move the needle a little bit. It's, it's the Lord saying, I need, you to, I need you to get something. This was in scripture, you saw John the Baptist. He had a very strategic, significant, intense assignment to prepare the way of the Lord. That was his assignment. It wasn't what everybody else's assignment. And his assignment was so clear and he preached it with such, in, such intensity, he pretty much ticked off everybody he talked to. I mean, they just, he rubbed them the wrong way. It just, he was so intense about his message. Oftentimes, some of these movements, they just rub people the wrong way, whether it's the Word of Faith movement or the revivalists. Over the years, there's been all these different revivals, whether it's in Toronto, uh, across overseas in Wales or Brownsville and Pensacola there. Uh, you've got uh, Azusa Street. You have these outpourings and the things of God where signs, wonders, and miracles were breaking out. And God just showed up in a way that just, it was so messy, it just offended people. How he showed up offended people. Some teachings, they just offend people. I, in one way, what I want you to understand is God is doing so much, there is no way our church could fully represent everything that God is doing. It is, it's absolutely impossible. Our job as a church is to do what he tells us to do. 
But I need you, I, I'm, in some ways I'm attempting to stir up a little bit of hunger in you that, hey, you need to come here and get fed, but you need to be open to getting fed elsewhere. I, I cannot give you everything you need. Our entire teaching team, everybody in this room combined cannot give you every single thing that you need. We live in a day and an age where we can get our hands on so much, it's unbelievable. So much teaching. We can see what people are teaching and books that are being written all over the world. We, we, we have more revelation and wisdom available to us than we could ever consume. And, and I think you should. I think you should be on a journey to, to, to go after some of these things. I bring, this, I bring some of this up, though, because I was raised in the Word of Faith movement for the majority of my life, and I heard more faith teaching. That I heard it every, day, every week. Not just every week. We weren't, we weren't just in church once a week. We were, it was back in the day where you weren't even considered a Christian unless you went to Wednesday night services. I mean, the Sunday was for the lost people. Wednesday's when the Christian showed up, if you know what I'm talking about. And so we were there all the time. And uh, in church or in studies or in home church, we were just in it all the time. And I was constantly hearing faith, 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 faith. It, uh, I'd say in the last few months, I just have been jarred by a couple things in my personal life. Leanne and I have been talking about this in our personal life where it's like, it's almost like we've forgotten who we were in some of those ways. We kind of forgotten some things as it pertains to faith. And all of a sudden, I've caught myself saying things. That I should, 10 years ago, I would have never said that, and I shouldn't have said it when I said it. Just doubt, unbelief, negativity. I've caught myself putting up with things where I'm like, I, why am I accepting this as the norm? My, my background in faith teaches me that, no, no, I don't. There is no such thing as some norm I have to accept. The only thing I have to accept is this word, and this word tells me not to accept the norm unless it's heaven on earth. And so I've just, in, in a few ways, and I would even say that the climate that we live in, I almost feel like we're starting to be conditioned in some ways that are not necessarily kingdom. And, I'll, and every now and then you gotta, gotta go back, and uh, it's like it, it talks about in uh, Isaiah eleven eleven. it's like you gotta go back and put your hand back and get the remnant. Some of the stuff that maybe got left behind, you need to go back a second time and recover some of that. And that's a prophetic word I've been stewarding for actually a couple of years now there about this remnant. And I feel like part of that remnant for me and even for us is going back to some of the things that my spiritual fathers back in the day taught me as it pertains to faith. Um, I, when, in studying this, I didn't even know this, but they say... <laughs> You can even look this up on Wikipedia. That's actually how funny this was to me. I was reading Wikipedia. You can Google Word of Faith Movement, click Wikipedia, and there's a bunch of information there. But it even said on Wikipedia, the originator or the, the uh, assumed originator of this concept of Word of Faith and Word of Faith teachings was a guy by the name of E.W. Kenyon. But the father of this movement was Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin started a Bible school in in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Raymond, Raymond Bible Training Center. That's where Leanne's dad actually went to Bible college. He got radically saved. And I mean, what was it, like three weeks later, he enrolled in Raymond. It was like within a couple of weeks. I'm like, man, he just went zero to 100, you know. And because uh, he was a heathen, and the next thing you know, he's in Bible school. And, um, but that's, that's where he went. So th these are our roots. My mom and dad, th their lives were changed watching Kenneth and Gloria Copeland on TV and, and their teachings. And, and so we were very much transformed and shaped by, this, by this, this movement. And what was interesting, even on Wikipedia, it said on Wikipedia that the, the, the base scripture for this movement was Mark eleven twenty three, Mark 11, it's even on Wikipedia, which I thought that was actually quite comical. But, um, so I wanna I want read from Mark 11, because this is a scripture 
that I think introduces a concept that we absolutely must know, understand. A couple of weeks ago, I read the values of our church. Faith was one of the values. You cannot have a value for faith and not have at least a piece of understanding or some understanding, a degree of understanding and wisdom on what Mark 11 is saying here. So let's just read this. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12. It says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And, and this he is talking about Jesus. It says, and seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps it, he would find something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus, now this is a very powerful statement and you'll see why in a minute. Jesus said to it. Jesus said to it. He said to this thing. In this day and age, if someone catches you talking to an it, you're crazy. You're considered crazy. That actually is the problem. That Jesus can talk to it. or if, if In this day and age, we could talk to an it and considered crazy, but Jesus did it. He's defining the kingdom for us. That might be the problem. I'll explain later. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So this wasn't something where he knew, man, you can't be talking to no trees. And I dang sure no one of my disciples hearing me. So it wasn't like he was like, stupid tree, curse you. No, there, when he spoke to the tree, he said it where his disciples heard it. It was with his vocal cords. He didn't say it in his mind. He said to a tree, you're done. That was the Braden International Version. His disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Jesus went to the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables. Have you ever noticed this is like one of people's favorite scriptures? The story about him tearing up the temple and they, when they just want to have a fit. Man, Jesus did it. Not the same way you're doing it. <laughs> and he would not allow anyone to carry wares to the temple. And then he taught them saying, is it not written my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him for they feared him because all people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, so this, this whole situation with the, the fig tree happened we're about, we're about 20, inside 24 hours. We'll just put it that way. It says, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. I mean, we're talking about like dead, like D-E-D -D dead. Like. <laughs> they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. The context here is Jesus, uh, Peter is like, say what? Like he, he, he's like, bro, look, are you kidding me? Like, do you remember yesterday when you had said that to the tree and none of us thought it was any big deal? It's dead. Like it's, he's absolutely astonished. He's astonished that, first of all, I bet he was astonished that Jesus was talking to an it. That probably jarred him a little bit. He's like, oh, great, we're following this guy who's talking to trees. And he, not just talking to trees, he's asking, the he's, only reason he's cursing it is because it didn't have any figs. It ain't even fig season. So now we got a double whammy here. 
So, and, and now he's like, oh, I, this is not what I expected. He, he was astonished. He was blown away. Oh my gosh, it worked. And Jesus' response to him says, and Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Have, just say this with me, just for the fun of it. Have faith in God. It says, for surely I say, now he goes on. He said, for assuredly I say to you, so who's Jesus talking to? Peter and the disciples, them. So now, for, now I'm gonna say something to you. Whoever, who's a whoever? Raise your hand if you're a whoever. Bunch of whoever's in here. He says, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says, therefore I say, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Have you ever seen something that like just absolutely, just blew, when you watched it happen, it just blew your mind? I was thinking about this situation with Peter and happened when you're walking by this tree and you realize, oh my, literally just yesterday, that thing had, it said it had leaves all over it. That's why Jesus even went to the tree because it said it had leaves very much alive. He goes by the next day. I can only imagine his astonishment when you see that. It just doesn't seem to make sense. About 10 or 11 years ago, me and my brothers and my dad all went to play golf on Father's Day. And um, we're not the best golfers in the world. The brothers are not. But we can, we can get around the course and have a good time. My dad, as athletic as he is, for some reason, just does, it's like he doesn't get the concept of how to hit a golf ball. Like, I mean, it just doesn't work. And so we were there with him that day. And... Here we are thinking, we're, it's Connor boys, we're gonna come out. Dad cannot get a golf ball off the ground. Like, you ever heard of a worm burner? You know what that is? It's when you hit it and you burn the heads off of every worm in the dirt as your ball's skidding across the ground. Like, the ball's supposed to go in the air. And, and here we are, and we're, we're, we're you know, the brothers, we're, we're kind of effective at pulling this off, you know. Dad just, we're, do this, Dad. I'll try this next time. I mean, he, no matter what club he grabs, what, instruction we give him, he cannot get the ball off the ground. And so we are, I don't know, 11th, 12th, 13th hole, somewhere in there. We've, we'd played a good amount of golf that day already. And so we were just praying like a miracle would happen that dad would hit the ball and it'd get up off the ground. And so we get to this par three and uh, my dad, he lines up and it's as if the gods overtook took my dad and he hits a, I mean, he just flushes this ball takes out a nice little divot and the ball just starts taking off high in the air. We just start celebrating. Like we, we did it, you know, dad finally got one off the ground. No one looked at where the ball was going, didn't care where the ball, we had just seen a miracle. Dad got a ball off the ground. And so we kind of just weren't really paying attention. And I don't remember which one of us it was. There's my brother in the front row, he was here. He, he said, I don't even remember which one of us it was, but it was like, oh shoot, it's going, it's actually going out the green. Like this is a good looking shot. Oh. Oh, shoot. And I mean, just like you couldn't, it's like it was in slow motion, just do, 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 doink. Hole in one on Father's Day with all of his brothers. First ball he had gotten off the ground in his life, I'm fairly certain. <laughs> and I mean, it was one of those delayed reactions where it's like, oh, oh, and we're jumping and high fiving. We, we, we joke because we got it, we got the, the, the card, the scorecard and the ball, um, made a little plaque out of it. And the scorecard's like nine, seven, six, nine, four, one. 
I mean, it's like, it was just incredible. But I just remember, I, I just took us a while to sink in. Like, oh, he just freaking hit a hole in one. That's, that's the closest thing I could come up with when I was trying to think of the emotion behind Peter, who is so, he's so versed in the ways of the natural, he could not wrap his mind around someone saying something to a tree and the tree listening. It just he just could not wrap his head around. I, I know how you're not supposed to be able to talk to trees. They're definitely not supposed to die. And Jesus' response to that is, oh, you're amazed? Have faith in God. What's he saying? You have more faith in a natural realm than you do an unseen realm. And that is the problem. And that shows me you do not have faith in God. Jesus goes on to explain this, and I think this, his explanation is probably the part that gets us the most. He goes on to say, hey, and I'm going to kind of just give you the layman's terms of everything we just read. He said, look, I wasn't able to do this because I am God. I wasn't able to speak to a tree and it died because I am God. I spoke to the tree and it listened because I believe God. He said, I, I, I remember Jesus took on manness, I don't know the right word here. He became a man. He, he set down his, his, his divinity, he set down his God powers, if you will, and he became a man to show us what is possible for a man who will believe God. So he tells them, say, look, I, this tree didn't die because I'm God. This tree did what I told it to do because I believed God. And anybody else that believes him the same way I believe him, and it's possible, you could say to a mountain, go jump in the ocean, and it would happen. Just in case there's somebody here that deserves this microphone more than me, has anybody ever spoken to a mountain and watched it jump into the ocean? Anybody else? Me neither. That ought to tell us, in fact, just think of the closest thing you've ever asked for and watched it happen. I, I tell you, Awesome story. I, I told this, I taught, obviously I taught this message in the first service. Uh, I hadn't even told you, I hadn't even got a chance to tell you in this, but uh, this, this guy came up to me after the service and he said, hey, I, I just really need to tell you this story. And uh, he said, my parents, they don't go to church, but uh, they used to go to Leanne's dad church a long time ago and uh, before they went to heaven. And they had kind of gone to different cowboy churches throughout the years. And he said, you know, my parents don't go to church, but this message just reminded me of a story that my dad told me one time. Again, he doesn't, he's not necessarily following the Lord right now. He said, but my mom had this puppy, and um, it was like her, I mean, it was like her other child, and it was, it had chased down a porcupine and had a bunch of quills in his face, and she tells him, hey, go take this porcupine to the vet, or, or go take this dog to the vet and get all these porcupine quills out. Well, the, the dad was like, well, I know the vet, and I'm, I've worked with animals, so it'll be cheaper if I just ask him for this sedative, and it'll save me some money. I'll just give the dog the shot. I'll take all these porcupine quills out myself. So he got the wrong dose. He got the stuff from the, the vet, but he gave the dog the wrong dose and killed the dog. And so um, he said, I was sitting there going, oh, my, I cannot believe I've done this. I'm get, she will never forgive me of this. This is her favorite dog. And um, he said, 
I just remembered that thing that that preacher had said, that there was a God, and if you said, if you said things, you could call the dead to come to life. And he, saw, he literally thought, I don't even know if I believe that, but it might be the only thing that saved my marriage. And he said, I just picked up that dog, and I just said, God, if you're real, make this dog come to life. And all of a sudden, what he did, the dog, who had already just laid over, lies rolled back in his head, just, and the dog came to life right in his hands. And he said, <laughs> it's funny, he's like, because the, the guy was telling me a story, he's like, yeah, they're not necessarily following the Lord right now. He said, but I'm going to tell you, you go talk to him. He said, oh, I know God's real. Don't you tell me, and don't you tell me miracles don't happen, and don't tell me you can't speak to things and watch them come back to life, because I've seen it. It's every now and then things like this happen, and it's like, it ain't a mountain going into an ocean, but we're getting somewhere. And I just propose to you that Jesus in this moment, he's giving the most extreme example to almost like to let us know you have no idea the power of faith and your words. Also known as you have no idea how much power you're packing and don't even realize it. You don't even realize what's possible. And, and can we just all acknowledge that what I'm saying can almost sound offensive? Oh, really? We can just go around and talk to stuff? I, I, I know a story of a guy who uh, was a traveling evangelist. <laughs> You'll love this one. He was a traveling evangelist, and he had run out of money, and he had no gas, uh, no gas in his car. And he said, I didn't know what else to do because I felt like the Lord had told me to go to this next town, and I had no gas, and I had no money. So I just went over there, and I stuck my finger in the deal, and I said, gas, go into my car. And he went and turned his car on and it had a full tank of gas. Now, you got to be honest, and nobody raise your hand because I want to call. How many, some of you in here on the inside go, Psh, my butt. <laughs> he didn't stick his finger. His finger didn't put no gas in that car. <laughs> Same thing with the, that, your brain goes into over, I mean, just, override mode where it's like that dog was, wasn't dead the guy didn't know anything and your mind will, right now the things we're even talking about it's so crazy your mind will work overtime to try to find an answer other than the power of God because you just can't wrap your mind around it is that not the truth we, and I'm gonna tell you right now I, I, I'm supposed to know some of this stuff I sometimes hear some stories and I sometimes I hear some of your testimonies I'm like man praise God really I just being honest, like it's almost embarrassing how little we believe in the power of God. And it's alarming how little we, of that power we believe we carry. I, I would say, I, again, this stuff's not in my notes, but I just, I, I wanted to, I, I was thinking about this last night. You know what I think one of the greatest enemies of faith is selfishness and here's why I say that because every single one of us in this room mo well I shouldn't say everyone most of us in this room we have we have a level of faith and here's and not just faith we have faith in God we have faith in the word in fact scripture tells us in, in second Timothy that all scripture is God breathed it was breathed so it came from him God begins with the word 
That's the beginning of God for me. It's like that's the purest form. God and the word are, are, are synonymous. I actually believe we have, a, we have everyone, almost everyone in this room has a degree of faith in the word. Even if all you, quote unquote, have exercised your faith in is you heard someone preach a message one time that says, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. And you're like, well, flip. Says, Apparently there's just two places. One sounds great. One does not. And I like, if I believe in Jesus, I get to go to the good one. I'm in. If we oversimplified it, if we just said, at the very be- why do you believe that? Because you read a scripture and you believe that. I think that's God. I think that's real. I think that's legit. And it said, if I actually have to, I actually, it says you have to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. mouth. Almost everyone in this room, you've either prayed that prayer on your own or you've had someone lead you in that prayer and there was enough fear of God in you. Even if you didn't want anybody else to know you were praying that prayer for the first time, you're mumbling it. Father, I need you. Forgive me. I mean, you had at least that much faith because it was about you. It was about you. It was about your eternity, heaven, like, it, was, it very much involved you. I actually think that a lot of what we're talking about here as it pertains to the development of our faith, to even have any desire to go there, we have to learn to even think beyond us. We actually have to learn to think so far beyond ourselves that we have such a desire to advance the kingdom of God on this earth. We know we're already going to heaven, but I wanna be a part of the mission. <laughs> I want to be a part of the solution and I want to help other people. Some of the things that we're talking about here, you have to care about and think about other people enough to say, you know what? I know I'm doing all right, but I need to develop my faith. So if someone comes and prays and needs prayer, when I pray, the mountain needs to go get an ocean. They may not believe in what I'm doing unless that mountain called cancer, diabetes, whatever it is, gets up and goes and gets in the ocean where I told it to go. I heard a guy say this a while back. He said, when I... He says, sometimes people come to me because they've heard that I pray, and when I pray, people get healed. They will fly oh, across continents to get to my church services. And uh, he said, I will pray for them, and they, sometimes they don't get healed. And when they don't get healed, I, I, I go back the next week, and I get before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I need you to help me because someone came to me looking for you, and all they got was me. And what drives him to this level of faith, to be able to speak to mountains and it go get in the ocean, it's not him not getting healed, it's others not getting healed and God not looking like who he said he was to people that don't have the faith to believe. You will never even press into this level of faith if you don't get over you. You'll start with salvation, you'll start with believing that and then you'll start by praying for the sick and the first sick person you usually care about is you. You'll start with you. It's, 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 we know this. With our, look at children. What's, what's the sign of immaturity? Mine, 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 me, mine, me. They don't care. Get my, my toy. They can see somebody else's toy. They won't steal it. So you little criminal, go give his toy back. You know? What's wrong with you? It's, just, it's, it's a sign of immaturity, selfishness. I care about me. But I'm telling you, there has to come a point in our life when we say, hey, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you did for me, can I help? Can I help you? Can I help you advance your kingdom? Can I help show you, show other people who you are? Can, can I help? Because if you say yes, it's almost like Peter, Lord, if that's you, you tell me to get out of the boat. There was no logical reason for Peter to be getting out of the boat. 
He just wanted to be a part. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, Jesus walking on water. He's like, can I do that? Like, there's got to be enough. There's got to be something in you that says, I've, I am called to live a life beyond myself. Or you'll, you'll never even consider. I, you've heard me, some of you heard me tell the stories where I, I, um, I, the Bible says, these signs shall follow him who believes. They'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. One of the things it says, it says, you'll raise the dead. And I, I'm like, in another scripture, and I'm like, okay, Lord, this has been a couple years ago. I'm like, let's, let's do this. Let's raise the dead. And, uh, and I just got this feeling, like, I, I want to I do this. A couple years go by, I'm driving down the road, and I'm watching, and a truck has a crazy wreck right in front of me. Drops a bar ditch, this, this big cement truck. I was down in South Texas doing some oil and gas work. Cement truck, and all you see is a cloud of smoke piling through the mesquites, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And, of course, other cars saw it. We all get out. We all take off running. We're trying to get to the truck. It's upside down. The engine's revved up. We're all looking, getting ready to see the worst. And uh, we're, we, it, it's hit, we got over some cactus, and I don't know if you've ever walked on cactus that's been smeared. It's like an ice skating rink. That jail was, we couldn't even hardly get to the guy. Finally, before we could even get to the guy, he crawls up out of it, and he has one cut on his elbow. I mean, ain't nothing, I mean, not a thing wrong with this guy, really. And I was like, man, sure am glad he's all right. And we, I walk back to my truck, and I get back in my truck, and we start driving. And the Lord just very calmly says, were you ready? And I went, Mm-mm. <laughs> nope, not even close. <laughs> and I was aware of the fact that the first thing, when I saw it, the first thing that came out of me was fear. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And it's like he was upstairs going, Yes. What do you want me to do? Oh my God, oh my God. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Send me, you know. And I, I, I was nowhere near ready. And I remember that day, he, he said, were you ready? I said, oh no, I was not ready. But I said, give me another chance. I didn't get, I was not ready this time. But give me another chance. Two years ago, chance number two came when took our kids on a spring break and we came up on a crash. We were the first ones on the scene and we got done and this wife was just hysterical and my husband, my husband, sure enough, there was a guy laying on the ground dead and uh, we got our kids away and I, um, I just remember that time I was like, okay. And I, weird as it sounds, I didn't really know what all the rules were about stuff like this. I didn't know if I could, could go touch him. I didn't really know. I wasn't a paramedic, and so I was kind of panicking in that regard. But I just, from a, I walked up, you know, for me to that light from the guy, to one, you could tell he wasn't breathing. And I just said, you come to life right now. Get up. And I was, <laughs> I was kind of looking around, too. i got to be really honest with you, because I'm like, this is a lot going on. And I'm the guy pointing at the, the guy on the ground, and... So I, I was like, get up, get up. And then long story short, I, I walked up with my uncle, went and grabbed a, a t- towel to cover him because it was not good. And um, so we go over there and he kind of starts and I walk over to him and I literally saw the guy. He, he, was, he wasn't breathing all of a sudden. He's just right before me. I was like, oh my gosh, he just went. You know, I, I now know I saw it. And we ended up having to go and do CPR on the guy and I had to help hold him and it was this whole big deal. And um, afterwards, I went, and when I was all alone, I was like, it didn't work this time, but I want another chance. And the first time, I wasn't even ready for the opportunity. I didn't try. Wouldn't have been ready to try. Second time, I tried. And I don't know if it's going to be the third time, or the fourth time, or the fifth time. I don't know how many times it's going to take, but my conviction is I'm not going to start 
I'm gonna, not going to stop trying until the mountain gets up and goes and gets in the ocean. Not because I think I'm something. Because it's what he told me to do. And he said, this is the kind of stuff that people go, oh, okay. It says signs, wonders, and miracles are for what? The unbeliever. My ability to develop my faith to the place where when I speak to its, its listen, people start going, okay, now that's real. I've seen religion. It didn't do that. But this is something different. Faith in God begins in faith in the word of God. Like I said in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is given by God. How do you get more faith? Okay, we're going to grow this thing, do something. How do you get more? Romans 10, 17 says, so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is not a small thing to come to church. Because when you come to church, you are hearing the word of God and hearing the word of God builds your faith. Coming to church today is once, you're now one step closer to talking to mountains. So I, this is not about feeling guilt or condemnation if you don't come to church enough. I just need you to know it is significant, it is important. I already said this earlier. You should be so stirred by this that you start saying, I'm not just gonna hear the word on Sunday on the days I go to church. One, I'm gonna start going to church more often. And two, I'm gonna start reading my Bible. I'm gonna get the word, I need to get the word in me. It doesn't say faith comes by hearing and only if it's heard, preached by a pastor. The word, faith comes by hearing the word, even if it's you saying the word. In fact, I'd go so far as to say it might even be more powerful. (laughs) Go to church, read your Bible, go to groups, get uh, podcasts. I I, I cannot, I'm I'm alarmed at how bad we are at self-feeding. That's alarming to me about that there's that much out there available to us and we have so little value for it that we don't even we're like, what? oh, you can get a podcast about? Yes, you can get a podcast and listen to preaching. You can hit a couple of buttons and watch any movie on the planet. Of course you can get a podcast. Get around other people that talk the word. Like when's the last time you went to a dinner, a meal, a, anything, and the topic of conversation wasn't what happened at work, the vacation you're going on, that you actually got together and just naturally talked the word? If, it's, if that is just blowing your mind, you need new friends. Or you need to evangelize your friends, one of the two. <laughs> Actually do that. <laughs> do you see where I'm going with this? Like it, we, have to, we have to take this stuff seriously. I, if faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, faith moves mountains, I'm called to move mountains, I need to get the word in. And I need to get very serious about that. We're very fruit, we are, I mean, right now, most of us in this room, can, we, we can tell you when the season premiere of our favorite show is, to the date. We cannot wait for that date. This is The Bachelor, we get to find out, I don't even know, is he on right now or is she on, whatever. I, I'm just saying, like, we know, we know some of the dumbest things, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I may have watched The Bachelor before, I'm not saying I have one. I'm not against The Bachelor. My point is, we should be more serious about this than some of these other things that have no value. You don't need to feel guilt, shame, condemnation for any of your hobbies, your, none of those things. But you do need to feel stirred to raise your faith. Yeah. 
I'd even, I'll say this. You need to raise your faith at least to the level when you see a mountain, you consider talking to it. When's the last time you even considered talking to a mountain? You get, that's what got me and Leanne the other day. It's like, just things I'm hearing. Oh, like, oh my gosh, it's allergy season. Oh, I need to go get an allergy shot. It was the, it was literally went from it's allergy season straight to an allergy shot. And I, I, and I heard the, overheard the conversation and I was like, wow, it's so crazy. They accept allergies as a part of everyday life. It never, it never crossed their mind that no Lord, by your stripes, I was healed. That bread I've been eating every Sunday for however long you've been coming here says I don't have to put up with physical symptoms. That's what it's for. You know that, right? When we're take, you're supposed to be taking that bread and thinking about the thing you need it to work in. I do it every single time. I haven't seen the full breakthrough yet, but I don't, not one time do I take communion in this room and not out loud say the symptom that I'm dealing with and I say, it has no place in my life because of this bread. But I'm just astonished at how we just, and I was telling you, I was like, we're just accept. When did I just start accepting these things? I should have at least considered speaking to that mountain and opening my, opening my mouth and saying, no, no, I don't care. It ain't allergy season in my house. It's perfect health season in my house forever. <laughs> and you know, well, come on. Everybody gets the sniffles every now and then. Said what scripture? No, I'm not saying... I'm not saying get shameful if you've got allergies. I'm just saying get aggressive. Understand that that's a mountain that apparently you have power over. I was talking to someone the other day. I just realized they just, they don't even know how to use their words. They don't even know how to speak faith. I was talking to a couple who uh, has, um, there's been, there was an affair and there are certain things that have been triggers for one of the, one of the individuals that like, when we go to this city and when we do this one thing, it triggers those emotions and I, I want to forgive. I'm, I'm sorry. And they, they said, every time I go to this city, I think about it. And every time we do this, I think about it. And I get hurt all over again. And I said, do you want to know why every time you go to that city and every time you go to do this thing, you get hurt all over again? It's because you keep saying, every time I go to this city and every time I do this thing, I get hurt all over again. Maybe your issue is your mouth. The issue's no longer the affair. The issue is your mouth. And I said, here, let me, let me teach you how to, by faith, walk in forgiveness. Every single, so you, forgiveness is not like an, all of a sudden the emotion just goes away. No, it's a choice to, by faith, say that, um, that emotion only can stay if it lines up with the word of God. So when I go to that city and all of a sudden the thought and the emotion, oh my God, that's the city where it happened. You freaking open your, I'm sorry, I said freaking. You open your mouth and you say, I love this city and I will never again think about what happened in this city except for all the good things that have happened in this city. And they looked at me like, what? You can, you can say that? And can we just be honest? That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? It sounds ridiculous to talk about how you're gonna feel when you go to the city. And I said, and the next thing you're gonna do is, hey, this sport that used to trigger this thought in me, I love, I don't hate that sport anymore. I love that sport. What are you doing? There's a mountain of hurt and unforgiveness that's trying to ruin your marriage. And you're telling that mountain, get out. Get out. You don't belong here. But you, again, you, one, you, you got to know that this scripture's here. You got to know you've got the power of these mountains. You should, your friends should think you're crazy because you talk to it's.
They, you really, every now and then, you should say something to one of your friends and be like, what'd you say? I said, I told that truck, I told that transmission to work in Jesus' name. What? I've seen it happen. People pray for their cars and their cars got healed. I've done it. I was one that prayed for one car and I had about 50% faith. <laughs> At that time, someone asked me if, they, if I could pray for their car and I was like, mm-hmm. Yep, I sure can. Jesus. <laughs> a mountain will never move unless you consider talking to the mountain. And you consider it enough, you'll actually say something one time. And you say something enough times and you hear the word enough times, you'll actually start to believe, oh, I think this mountain's gonna listen this time. And all of a sudden, enough faith will be stirred up. The mountain will respond. And I'm telling you, once you have an experience, the devil has no chance. You know, you know why? Leanne, don't even know, she probably don't know I'm gonna say this. She cannot help herself. Every time she gets a chance to do ministry time, she's gonna pray for people that can't get pregnant. She can't even help herself. It could be a word of knowledge sometimes. It could just be a word of Leanne. She's gonna pray. You know why? Because it's happened to us. It's happened. We were told we weren't supposed to have a baby. And it happened. We had a doctor say, it's not gonna happen unless you do this, this, and this. We said, well, we feel like the Lord gave us a word. Six months later, she's pregnant. That mountain moved. And now you can't take that away. You need to go for it enough and power through the, ah, it didn't happen this time, but next time. It didn't happen this time, but next time. Because as soon as you get to the time it happens, it, it will change you forever. It will absolutely, it, it's actually, it's bizarre. You can actually move, this is gonna sound crazy. The scripture actually calls it the season of the end of faith. But you can actually get beyond faith. Faith is, faith is believing, faith is believing. You can actually get to the place where you actually know. Let me give you an example. Every single one of you guys have unreal faith in chair. <laughs> Amazing faith in chair. So much so, most of you in here, when you walked in, you just sat down, didn't you? You didn't go, oh, what is this? <laughs> Who, who's the manufacturer here? Let me check out these legs here. Mm, I don't know. Nope. That was not twerking. That was me. <laughs> no, what did you do? You sat in a chair so many times, and maybe one time, this rare occasion, one of you sat in a chair, and the leg was breaking. But for the most time, every time you sat in a chair, it held you up, right? So did you even think about it today? No. It's almost like you've moved beyond faith. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird thing. Did you know in the kingdom, you can get to the point where there are, so, there are some things in scripture that you are so certain of, you don't even need faith for them really anymore. You know it. You know it. I don't, I don't question it anymore. I know it. What do you mean? You're struggling believing this. It's like... Have faith in God. You can have faith in yourself. It's not the same thing. Oh, if you work hard enough, you do this, you can do it. No, no, no. You can have faith in family where what your family wants you to do trumps what God wants you to do. You can have faith in education where you think your success can only come, that your success in business can only come if you've got a certain degree. If the Lord told you to start that business and you don't have, even if you don't have the education you think you need, his word trumps your understanding. His word trumps a degree. You can have faith in vaccines. Now, this is not a political statement. This is a Bible statement. 
get the vaccine if you want it, don't get the vaccine if you don't want it. That's not what I'm saying. But if you think the only way you'll not get COVID and you'll live is if you get the vaccine, you have faith in vaccine, not faith in God. So work on your faith. Go get the vaccine if you want to. I'm not, if you want, for travel, you may need it for travel. I, whatever, get the vaccine, but don't put faith in vaccine. My faith is not in vaccine. My faith is in God. Some people have faith in political party. Oh man, things will go good if this person gets elected. Things will go good if this person gets elected. Every one of you can acknowledge the last two presidents we've had, when they were voted as the president, some emotion came up in you. <laughs> I'm not, again, I'm just gonna say the last two, that way I'm not making a political statement. It was, oh, thank God, or oh God. If you have fear, legitimate fear about the, the, the history of this country, you have faith in politics, faith in Republican, faith in Democrat, faith in that person, not faith in God. Because all of those things are it's. They are it's. When's the last time you thought, I don't care who gets, when's the last time you thought and or said, I don't care who gets elected, this country's gonna be successful. My business is gonna be, I don't care who gets elected. The oil and gas industry is not gonna suffer because of so-and-so getting elected. What does that show? Faith in God. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.